Hey, I'm Mike Joseph, and thank you for listening to Detoxicity, a show by men, about men, but for everyone. I hope you enjoy the content of this podcast, and I want to let you know about a few things you can do to support us and our mission to challenge traditional notions of masculinity and create a more communicative, positive, and loving environment for all. You can subscribe to Detoxicity on any podcast platform that you use to listen. We are available just about everywhere. Also, don't hesitate to rate and comment as these help us move up in the podcast rankings. I'm on social media, or at least I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok as Detox Pod Guy. Feel free to drop me a follow. Now I have a Patreon page, yay! And uh, Patreon gives you the opportunity to get cool merch and exclusive episodes of this podcast in exchange for subscribing. Go to patreon.com slash detoxicitypod to find out more. Uh, finally, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, whether you found an episode of the podcast particularly enjoyable or enlightening, or you know someone who'd be a great guest, or you'd like to offer constructive criticism, or if you yourself would like to be on the podcast, hit me up. Reach out to me at one of the aforementioned social media channels, or if you're old school like I am, drop me an email, detoxpod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and take care. Well, first of all, if you want to call back to last week's episode with Noam Osband, I made the mistake of sort of humble bragging about going two and a half years without getting COVID-19. And then within 24 hours of talking to Noam, I was exposed to COVID-19. And uh, I'm on the other side of it, thankfully. But uh, I guess I'm never going to jinx myself like that again. So all that said, everybody stay safe. Obviously, this is not going away. And um, regardless of the fact that there are vaccines and medications that can minimize it, it's still kind of a shitty experience that I would not recommend and hope I never get again. So uh, there's my PSA for COVID-19. And now on to this week's show uh, in which I interview Lenny Schwartz. Uh, Lenny is a filmmaker and a playwright based in Rhode Island. Uh, Lenny's got a lot of stories um, from growing up with an eating disorder, which is something that not a lot of guys talk about but I feel like a lot of guys experience uh, to the world that he's been introduced to through theater and how he fell into theater, which was actually uh, accidental. But he grew up in kind of a sheltered environment and has been exposed to so much through the world of theater. And we talk a lot about that. Um, He has a refreshing uh, positivity and interest in uh, people and different kinds of people. And uh, I just love his perspective. And speaking of exposure, uh, the way that he and I came across each other was uh, a bit unorthodox, I guess is the right thing to call it. And you'll hear more if you listen to our interview. So here is Lenny Schwartz. My name is Lenny Schwartz. Thank you all for uh, listening, first of all. I am a writer, playwright, screenwriter, now a film director, which is really strange. I direct plays, and I wrote a graphic novel. And on top of everything else, my full-time job is I'm a banker. Wow. Yeah, it's been a really interesting kind of couple of years. Me and Mike met off of the Naughty Jewish Boys calendar. Yes. uh, Which I get get to model. I'm going into my ninth year, which seems so (laughs) ridiculous to me. I I have to say, but I love it. We'll get more into that if you have questions. But uh, that, that to me is so interesting. I think we're shooting again in October, and I'm like, oh, my God. All right, cool. (laughs) Here we go again. uh, Right. And it's fine. I just never thought like in my 30s, when I think about this, there are girls who would not give me the time of day in high school. And then there I am in the calendar and they're liking stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> what is going on in my life? <laughs> you know? That is too funny. 
well, first of all, you live in uh, New England. And are yeah. you, is that like a born and raised thing? Did you move there at some point? So, so I actually, again, I grew up about 10, 15 minutes away. I grew up in a town called Cranston, Rhode Island. Uh, okay. In case everyone's ever heard of Cranston, you, you would hear many Farrelly Brothers movie. They're always talking about it. And I worked in Providence for eight years of my life up until 2015. I actually worked for uh, Trinity Rep, the theater company out there, before I became a banker, which is strange. Uh, <laughs> I met my wife in 1995. Oh, 1996. She'll kill me if you hear that. Uh, <laughs> in 1996, we had met and we got married in 2001. And we had a daughter in 2009. We moved into this house in the early 2000s. And it's been nice. She, she's from North Situate. So um, that's why we moved here. And I like to look at this place. We've been through Rhode Island. It's kind of like a hub to everywhere else in the world. It's really nice. If you get a chance, everyone, let's go to come to Rhode Island. They have the best food. <laughs> wow. Okay. So yeah. good recommendation from Lenny. He'll, he'll show you where all the nice restaurants are. Anyway. How did you get into theater? What started that off? So this is a really weird story. Uh, tenth, so it was 10th grade. I wanted to be a writer. I was going to go into journalism. And um, okay. I'll tell you the true story, because a lot of times when I talk to journalists, I lie about it because it's for fun. I, I signed up for journalism and the school I went to, they screwed up royally. Somehow they put me in a theater class and they said, you have to stay in the theater class until we get this settled. And he never got it settled. <laughs> and it was just an administrative accident. No room for the uh, journalism class. So they said, you can wait till your, your junior year and take that and do theater or we can get you into a study hall. And I'm like, what? I need to have an elective of some kind. So I, I, I took theater. And about a weekend, I said, this could be interesting. And then I started to love it, honestly. I became an actor, which was really strange. And I was performing in all the school plays. And I was always cast as like a goofy guy. So then I continued with him in, in college. And I pursued an acting degree, believe it or not. And halfway through my theater degree, I decided I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to write plays. And I did my first play my second year of college. And everybody hated it. And then as soon as everybody hated it, I'm like, my God, I love that people hate my stuff. This is great. Oh. Like, I, I, you can do theater and people hate your stuff. That's amazing. But then I started doing plays that people liked. And I'm like, this is not as much fun, but I guess it's less taxing. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so now I do plays that people both like and hate. So you get a mixture of both. <laughs> so you, you'll never get everybody completely on one side or the other. That's exactly how I tell people. If I have a play that everybody liked, I always consider it a failure because you want to get people thinking. You want to get people because what's going on in Hollywood right now is that you watch a lot of films and it's all just McDonald's. I think people are stuck in this box in their head. And that's kind of almost what your podcast is about. Yes. <laughs> oh my God, people stuck in a box. How do you get outside that box? How do you tell people there's another way outside this? And that's kind of where I write to write. I do think that... You see it now a lot in movies where everything is just either yep. a reboot or a sequel. Yeah. And that's the thing. I was talking to somebody today who's in the film business and they're like, I'm going to be leaving. Uh, and I'm like, well, why? They said there's no opportunities for anything because it's all prepackaged. It's all IP. That's like the, the, the thing in Hollywood now. Mm -hmm. IP, IP, IP. And anything creative is going to Netflix, but even the streaming services, they're getting into IPs now. They want IPs as much as they can. But the thing about that is it starts being really homogenized. And you see such a homogeny, and that could be true in any field, but it's so homogenized that you sit there and you're like, this is well made, but why is it leaving me like this? And that's why people get nostalgic for older films. What's the biggest film right now? Top Gun. And uh, have you seen a new Top Gun? I have not seen the new Top Gun. I have any have you any interest to see the new Top Gun? Let me ask you that. Eh, not really, to be honest with you. Really? It is the yeah. gayest film I've ever seen. 
which I mean, <laughs> everything that I've read on the internet focuses yeah. or has mentioned that at the very least in yeah. passing. And the original yeah. Top Gun, I mean, there was definitely a lot of gay subtext in that oh, movie. Yeah. Yeah, this so. is an aging gay subtext. That's how we're going to celebrate Pride this year. <laughs> but, but There's a reason they put it out in June. Yeah, it's well made. It's fun. It's whatever you want to call it. But it is just a version of something we've already seen. Just uh, maybe different characters. And I liked it. But at the same point, I can see myself being like, okay, I can't watch this again. I think a lot of people are returning to older films now or returning to other things. Because you're seeing the same crap. What's going to be coming out this week? Jurassic Park, right? Right. And I'm, I mean, I'll go see it. It's great. But they're like, oh, it's the last Jurassic Park. I'm like, well, if it makes money, it's not going to be the last Jurassic Park. Let's be honest. But I would like to see something that just doesn't take the normal script from Hollywood and it becomes a success or becomes something that really changes the game of what an actual movie is. What's a good movie that you've seen lately? Let me ask you that. Honestly, Lenny, I'm not much of a movie guy. I'm trying yeah. to actually think of the last time I was in a movie theater. I, last time I was in a movie theater, I saw The Batman. What did yeah. you think of it? I thought it was good. Yeah, I thought it was too. enjoyable. It wasn't. It, it's not the best movie I've ever seen. Oh, no, yeah. Uh, but it's not. certainly not the worst movie I've ever, I've ever seen. If you can keep me entertained for three hours, you're doing a really good job. Yeah, I, I like Patterson as Batman, too. I thought he was a very interesting choice, but I also felt the movie had a nice storyline about trauma. I thought that was pretty cool. But you're right. If it keeps you entertained for three hours, it's a good thing to do. But again, it's another version of Batman. I love right. Batman. I wrote a play about the creation of Batman. But at the same point, we're seeing these stories told again and again in these different ways. So you're watching a reboot of your reboot of your reboot. And the main point being that there's something to be said for originality. And right. maybe people should go outside of their comfort zones a little more and check stuff out that's not... I, I think about that in life, too. That's the truth, because there's a lot to be had out there. I think people are generally kind of miserable because they're doing the same... They're, they have this idea of what their lives should be, and then they're, they're yeah. not happy being in those lives, and they can't figure out why. So, <laughs> I don't drink at all. Um, I don't smoke anything, which you, if you do, great, that's fine. But I think people self are really over doing it in some regards because they get very unhappy with themselves. And that's with anything. There's a lot of different ways to self-medicate, yep. whether it's drinking or smoking or going to church right. too much or watching porn. Reading or comic books. Whatever. <laughs> right. yeah. There's a lot of self-medication out there. There's things that need to be yeah. done in moderation. And I do agree with that. So you're a pretty gregarious guy. <laughs> you're uh, friendly and funny and outgoing. Were you always like you that? You know, it's funny. I was very quiet as a child. I was afraid to speak at school. Believe it or not. Well, so what happened? I mean, there's a lot of things. I had a first grade teacher who told us that if you misbehave, you go to this to the training school, which is the prison basically, and you sleep, sleep in a, be a bed with nails. I'm like, what the hell? Like, if my daughter came home and told me this, this teacher would be arrested right now these days, right? I mean, that's, that's the, they know you're <laughs> going to go to training school, and they're literally going to they're literally going to put pins in you. So I was pretty traumatized. Elementary school was awful for me because all I kept thinking was I'm going to be going to this training school and sleep in a bed with nails. And then she used to take kids, she did something wrong, and grab them by the shirt and get sent home with a note. So I was terrified of this woman, terrified. And then I told my mom, and then my mom told the teachers. So I didn't talk to about seventh grade. Uh, and, uh, and so, but, but in the theater crowd, I kind of found myself, but I couldn't relate to people. It carried over to my adulthood. It was very hard for me to relate to people and actually find ways to just talk to people. I couldn't grasp the concept of a relationship with a person very well. It sounds awful, but even with my wife, when I started dating, I mean, I never actually fit in or felt comfortable with people. 
until I started really doing my own theater company stuff, I think. And I was an anorexic in high school, and I wrote a play about it. I got down to 93 pounds when I was in high school. And Wow. I'm and how how tech, tall are you? So, as you can imagine, if I showed you pictures, you'd be like, oh, my God. But because of that, I kind of retreated in, and that's where I put all my pain. So I wrote oh, wow. a play about it in, in college. What's strange is that when I was hospitalized, I don't remember a lot. It sounds weird, but I lost a lot of my memories. But doing the play sure. in college, that kind of unlocked everything for me and actually figured out ways to have meaningful relationships and what meaningful relationships actually meant. And I'm so glad I figured out what meaningful relationships were before Facebook and the internet came available to people. <laughs> it sounds terrible <laughs> because I... I now, why do you I mean, say, that? I yeah. say that? I've, had, I've met some amazing people through the internet. I'm not going to lie. I've met some amazing human beings that I never would have met, met before. I've met people that I should have not have met during in the internet as well. Um, how old are you, if you don't mind my asking? I feel like you're like... I, I am... I'm in your 30s. How, how, do, you, you how do you think like I 30, am, right? Lenny? I am 40? way older than 30. Do you remember what it was like before the internet then? <laughs> yeah, so we... It sounds kind of weird, but we were just before that time period where Facebook and Instagram weren't, didn't run your life almost. We remember what it was like without it. I remember it was like without a cell phone. I didn't have a cell phone. I didn't have an email until 2009 and people thought I was crazy. Yeah, I know. It's just wow. I love that though. I love that people could not get me at any time of day. And I love the idea that I can actually be thoughtful of what's going on around me. Now I'm just like, oh, my phone rings. I'm like, oh, who is it? So I have meaningful relationships I established before, so I know what it was like, but I don't know that I'd recognize if Facebook was available, what would a meaningful relationship actually be? And one of my directors, Richard Griffin, he directs a lot of, a lot of films with gay themes. And Richard was one of my best friends in the world, but he also get, can tell me what his perspective on things are and that I don't see. I think we're so afraid of asking people questions and offending them that we're actually offending them by not asking the questions. <laughs> I, I know what you're yeah. saying, and I kind of agree with it. I think the internet, and yeah. more so social media than the internet, has created an environment where people are afraid to be curious because they don't want to ask people the wrong question and then have their life well, ruined that, because they ask someone the, the wrong question. That's the problem. I think we're in a gang mentality at this point. I, I can't even post anything funny anymore because somebody always has a freaking agenda about something. Even tonight, I made a joke about Spaceballs. <laughs> I was saying, oh, I'm watching the new Obi-Wan Kenobi show, and I put a picture of our dark helmet, which, whatever. And somebody's like, I don't like the new series. I'm like, did I ask you? Did I ask you? Did I, right. did I say, hey, who likes the new series? No, I, I just put something funny. It's just to make you laugh. If you don't understand the joke, it's fine. Move on. It's not a big deal. And now these two people are arguing about it. And it's like, what's the point, guys? Like, seriously, this is what your life has turned into. Right. I snooze people a lot because I, I see that the internet gives us a kind of me, me, me perspective almost too. And we forget that there's other people around. Sure. Um, but I agree with you, though. You're, sure. you, people are afraid to engage in actual meaningful conversations. You're afraid you're going to be canceled. You're afraid that you'll lose all your friends because you say, hey, I have a question about this lifestyle. And I, my relationship isn't working out the way I wanted to. So I, I have a question about this type of relationship. And so people are like, oh, well, you're this type of person. And they automatically lump you so quickly. And it's like, I know exactly you know, what like, you're guys, talking. Just listen to what the person's asking. Because if you're asking a question on the internet, generally you're just kind of, I mean, and you're doing that. You, you put yourself out there and people are like, you put yourself out there, smack, get back. 
get back, get back. So what ends up happening is that there's all these secret groups on the internet that people can't see that are afraid to actually, you know, engage in social media and actually have a meaningful conversation of something that actually of substance. I, I hope that at least some of those people that are maybe afraid to have those conversations where everybody can see it are having these conversations right, with right. people in their private lives. I think it translates. Everyone's relationship is different. And, and you're not to judge. People can be in, the, in, in a monogamous relationship. You're an advocate, right? And I'm an advocate you know, for non-monogamous that's, that's, relationships. That's wonderful. As long as nobody's hurting each other or saying, hey, what? Right. I'm doing this to right. piss you off or, hey, I'm, I'm keeping you out of the loop. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, honestly. Right. Yeah. And it's not even being an advocate so much as it's what I like. I'm right, not saying right. that everybody has to be that. I, I, I'm saying that, if anything, more people should consider it because their relationships might work better. And because it hasn't been normalized, mm -hmm. I think people are afraid to be right. public about that kind of stuff. So I think when I talk about it, I present it as, A, something that works for me and be something that right, for right. people would think, actually I, consider I think it. It's like that. I'll give this example. I'm not a weed smoker. I don't do edibles. I don't do anything. I don't care if you do. It's just my personal decision. I don't like being out of control of my body. But I, I also think that sure. for many years, and I'm sure you remember this, that weed was considered this illegal substance, which it's, we laugh about it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, was. it wasn't considered, <laughs> right. it was an illegal substance, right. and it still is in some parts of the country. So, yeah. I never understood it, like, even though I didn't do it, it's not my personal choice to do it, but I, I and I never understood it. And kids growing up would be like, no, there's no way. But I also think that, I think that what you're talking about with, with having a non-monogamous relationship, I think one day might be, like, the weed of its time. And it's not, it's, it's, and I think that we're like, why, what was the right. big deal about, about all this? I also think yeah. yeah, that's just stuff that happens with yeah. societal progress over time. I mean, again, as a 46 year old, I can remember when I was uh, a teenager, when I graduated high school, which wasn't long ago, it was 1993 right. and drugs were bad. And right. being gay was bad. Being bisexual was bad. There was no talk right. about trans people, no talk about open relationships, like all that stuff was bad. So with normalization comes progress. Now it's legal in most parts of the U.S. for people to possess or smoke weed. Right. And people want to act like it's not it was never a big thing. But the 80s and early right. 90s was all right, about right. don't do drugs, just thing, say no. You know, I, I... Yeah. And that, but again, that comes from pop. I hate to say, my friend Richard made a very funny joke the other day. He says, Nancy Reagan has a new stamp coming out. And uh, he said, he said, I'm not going to buy it because I wouldn't know which side of the stamp to spit on. I thought that was great. <laughs> I mean, look, everything isn't for everybody. And uh, if someone is like, yeah. it's a personal choice for me to not smoke pot, or it's a personal choice for me to be in a monogamous relationship, right. that's all good. That is totally cool. But... Yeah, if someone has an issue with somebody yeah. smoking pot, that's kind of a problem. If somebody has an issue with somebody being queer, right, because right, that's yeah. in most cases not a choice, it's who you are. Yeah, then yeah, you know, the there's, an, would, yeah, there's yeah, an issue there. Yeah, um, we talked about before. So, I mean, relate. Yeah. the only time I'd ever have a, an issue with anyone smoking pot, taking an edible, is if they're doing it to the point where they're being destructive to themselves. I guess my point sure. is if somebody's doing it just to self medicate, they're a lot more relaxed. But some people, they do it to get outside of their lives, and, and then they wake up 10 years later and like, what did I do with my life? Well, maybe they're very happy, but they're, but, or they're crashing cars or doing something like that, and like, hey, you might want to tune it back a bit. Or if somebody's, if somebody's right. having a 
you know, non-monogamous relationship and just hurting people left and right, that's when I would do it. But I, I, I think the, the biggest thing is if everybody is, we can live in a society where everybody has a respectful choice to listen to each other, basically. Now, there are certain exceptions. Like a, if you belong to a group that like, that was like a serial killers, then I'd say maybe we shouldn't enjoy that group and listen to them. <laughs> but, if, but if people are like, here's right. something that right. yeah. is me, is my personal choice. Nobody's getting hurt. Everybody's in on it. Everybody's listening. And we start learning that, hey, what? Maybe this non-monogamous relationship thing, it could help out when I'm yelling at my partner all the time. We're not happy. We can't figure out why we're, ha- why we're not happy. Right. Why aren't we happy? People don't realize, too, not to say relationships right. have an expiration date, but a lot do. Well, yeah, some some do. And it's, I mean, I never want to be in a relationship with somebody that doesn't end with at least friendly. If one day my my wife says to me, she's like, what? And I'm not going to villainize her. I don't think that's a thing. I think the problem is you're like, hey. It's not there anymore. It's not that I don't love you. It's just that I need this part of my life, basically. I would understand that I would not villainize her. I hope it doesn't happen. But, but I also... Yeah. And I, I, that I, is I, a very I, mature thing, is, thing to what's say. What's more important right now in this? She's a mother. Do I want this person out of my life? No. We just don't listen to this person who I've known for 25 years. She's like, hey, I don't want to be in the, you know, the same house as you anymore. Which I understand. I'm a handful. You know? <laughs> But, uh, but, but I get it. But that's where actually I think where true love does come into, where you actually talk to that person. You say, hey, I want to see where you end up and I'm on your side. I think if more people did that, we'd been in a much happier society where we're all supporting each other. I, I... It, It's uh, honest communication is a really yeah. big part of right. of everything. It's, it's respectful. It's, of everything. It's, yeah. And you have to realize that you're not the only person. Yeah in this world too i think we do live in a selfish society and i wish people would going back to talking about the anorexia thing do you have any idea so, what caused you know that? we live in a world where they tell you in advertisements you're not an attractive person this is what the standard of, of being attractive is i used to be very heavy when i was like 14 years old and i was gaining weight all the time i was 200 pounds and then once one summer i lost it all and all of a sudden i oh, had wow. a girlfriend and I'm like, it must be the weight because that is what society tells us, right? And so then when we broke up, instead of thinking like, oh, yeah, I'm in high school. A two-month relationship is not a thing. I internalized it and said, I have to be thinner because that's where I will be happy. And that's where people will accept me. So I was constantly feeling like, hey, I got to do this. I got to be accepted. I got to be this type of person for to, to kind of like cast a line. And that was all bullshit. I all made up. You get into that thing. You hear you hear people's what they're saying, but what you're really hearing is is you're fat, and it's a sickness. You sit there, you're like, I'm this, I'm this. And so as I got thinner, I became obsessive compulsive because they go hand in hand of keeping that weight down. And it wasn't a good thing. It was two and a half years of my life, which I still feel to this very day. There are times I literally can't eat in front of people. And was someone like, hey, Lenny, something's yeah, going on. We got to get your like shit together. Or did you take the initiative to be like, okay, something's like wrong with me? Hours because of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Every night I can only sleep like three. But maybe I, I might sleep six sometimes. I might sleep eight on a rare night. But because of it, it's actually so hard for me to sleep because I, it's it got me to the point where I'm doing this for two, three years. Like I, I couldn't sleep at all. They took me to a sleep doctor. My mom was like, he doesn't sleep. He stays up all night. And there were nights I didn't sleep for like two days and I'd go to school and it'd be fine. If you can imagine that. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, people would tell me, they're like, Lenny, you're looking thin and you're looking ragged. But what I would do is I would dress myself up to look bigger. So I wouldn't be asked anything. And I'm very good about going to meals. And if I don't want to eat something, I can move food around on a plate. Even now I can do it. And I can take two bites of something. You won't <laughs> even notice. So it's insane. I mean, I'm, I'm healthy at 170 pounds, I think, right now, which is great. Well, no, we want, but, you, we um, want you to eat. And, right. I haven't, and this I hasn't particularly... happened in years, but like, it's stuff yeah. that it carries, though, you know, and carried throughout my life. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I really do love to eat, to be honest with you. It's really one of my favorite pastimes now. But I also got to look good for the calendar, too. So I know the balance, we'll say. We'll put it like that. With, with a lot of hard work, I know the balance between both. Yeah. Right. And I, I am curious Great. how, and I, I'll, I'll sort of set this up, how you go from having this intense body well that's the thing you know it, it sounds weird now but being like, in a calendar you know, every year where you are like, I, like I said, I balls naked for, for the when whole world when i was world. first asked to and, do it it was 2014 and i thought it was a come on so i'm like oh come on really what is going on and then i'm like i'll i'll do it why not and i did it and it was awesome <laughs> my friend duncan was there he's the one who creates the calendar it was really something to sit there and be like, this right. is a real thing. Even when he was shooting, I was like, I'm having fun and doing everything. And I'm like, this is never going to, no one's, he's going to look at these pictures and he's just going to laugh basically. Right. And I had to really discuss it because I had, a, I have a daughter and I, you know, one day somebody find these things. So I made, I made sure there's certain parameters on it. But that being said, everyone in my life knew that. <laughs> you know, and so when it first came out, all of a sudden Duncan's like, you have fans. I'm like, no, what do you mean? What are you talking about? It's ridiculous, right? But there I was and I had fans and I'm like, this is insane. So, <laughs> and I've met some interesting people. I've gotten some really interesting messages from people. Some really interesting offers too, which I'm like, wow, man, if I wasn't married, I'd be rich. People have come to my plays and be like, hey. And I always know when they looked at the calendar because they always kind of come from the plane. They're like, oh, hey, what's going on? I'm like, oh, it's, a, it's fine. Uh, Duncan's been very good about not providing my name, but people find out, which is whatever <laughs> at this point. If, if I was gay, I think I'd clean up, I think, looking at this calendar. That's so weird to think about, but I, it's like, I don't think of it that way. So it actually Lenny, happened. Like, you would, you would, you would clean up. 37 Trust years me. old or 36 years old. And I was like, wow. Yeah, it's so weird. These are women who I'm like, I, I could never date. And there yeah, they are commenting. They're loving it. I got messages from some of them. And I guess at a certain point with the body images, it's been helpful, I think, in some regards. <laughs> uh, in, in some regards, it's been very helpful. But it's also been very nice just to be like, wow, I it's something I never thought would yeah, be Yeah, I would think like so. Thing. So to actually be there, I'm sure when I hit 50, Dunk is like, you're too old for this. I got to retire. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, maybe not. But, but even now, he's just like, we should do a full calendar with you in it. I'm like, that's cool. But would it sell? I don't, I mean, know, I don't about know that. He's like, it would sell. I'm like, oh. Yes. The answer is yes. It, it, it's yeah. funny because the way I found out about you, I have yeah. a friend who has been in the last several calendars. He uses yeah. a, an assumed name in the calendar itself. But he's, he's a buddy of mine. Oh, nice. And he told me himself oh, about that? the calendar. <laughs> and I've... Without going into specifics, he is someone right. that I have seen naked in person before. He is straight as an arrow, so there's nothing there. But he's an open-minded, liberated guy, and he's like, I do this calendar. And yeah. I was like, oh, well, I'll check the calendar out. He sent me the link. And after like two or three years, I was like, well, this this guy keeps popping up yeah. on the same calendar over and over again. Yeah. And it's funny because a lot of the guys that are in there, like you are probably one of the on the older end of guys who are in the calendar and none of the guys in the calendar are right. like super ripped 
or the typical people you would see modeling, which is fantastic because that's straight up my alley. But it's just normal looking dudes. And I did a nude photo shoot maybe four or five years ago. And after having years of body shame myself and just, yeah, it felt super liberating, not just to sit for the photo shoot and have the pictures taken, but then I like put them on the internet and I was like, wow. fuck here, this yeah, is me. It, that's you know, how it felt for this me is too, what I look like. And to have people you know, be like, yourself, oh, these sure look really the good. Was keep really, yourself too. Uh, Some people, yeah. especially when you're younger, they do body shame you in, in high school. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because right. I mean, it's you're all, not, you're all right? awkward kids. <laughs> You're in the locker room doing whatever, and people will say they're not checking each other out, but everybody's checking each other out. Yeah, exactly. So right, and people right. are going to make jokes about the fat kid or the or the kid that has like yeah. a little dick or the kid that has whatever. They're going to make fun of mm-hmm. people, and that carries over into adulthood. And men, I think in particular, people are are taught right to, right exactly and, that, um, and, that's, and that's appreciate comes from so many things too i mean take that, pride and, in and their I, bodies I unless yeah, they look from, like the you rock know, people, you know what i'm saying online you see look at that like oh they like the rock this is the person that they like this is the person that basically they either google eyes for right and you're like that's never gonna be me and you look at ryan reynolds right everyone's like oh ryan reynolds he's great and he is and you're kind of like well i'm never gonna be ryan reynolds i'm never gonna yeah. be this person and again this is what the public does and it's what media does. It hits you and you're like, oh, right. God. And it, you feel that in your core. You're like, man, I'm never going to be that. So and you might say it to somebody who you either find attractive or that you wanted some support from. They're like, oh, well, you're handsome, too. You're cute, too. And, and you're kind of like, thanks. I'm a puppy. Thanks a lot. And it's this kind of crappy, like, like, and it makes you feel right. almost even worse. And you're like, oh, you, well, you'll see it. And this is <laughs> exactly. So it's like, oh, exactly. well, I'm with you, not him. I'm, and you're kind of like, okay, thanks. And then you say, like, well, should I go to the gym? Should I do this? And you, re- it's not a healthy going to get you into but people make you feel like that and that's where we come back to where you say to somebody hey you made me feel this way and a lot of people if they're not worth your time will say well that's not what i intended and you're taking it weird so that leads this whole other conversation and all this whole other can of worms (laughs) yeah again going back to honest communication really trying to have a dialogue about that that's cool but then it also sort of feels like you're just kind of backtracking trying to make the other person feel good after you said something that made them feel bad if we realize these things (laughs) as a society we would be a lot happier but nobody wants to take that criticism of being like you hurt me what you get instead is like i didn't mean that you know (laughs) Yeah, and that's the worst, to be honest with you. Um, that is absolutely the worst. It just becomes <laughs> defensive. Yeah. yeah. Look, like, as you I, now know, there's like, nothing I, wrong I, with I having a dad like, bod, wow, like, and there are plenty of people that are attracted feel to that. About those moments when those uh, things happen, of every gender. Because in my head, I can scroll back and say, wow, what? It sounds, it sounds the weirdest validation in the world, but at the same token, it gives you this kind of certain confidence that you didn't ever expect you thought you would have. And it makes all those other moments be like, okay, cool. If you're into Ryan Reynolds, cool. Be into Ryan Reynolds. I'll be Lennon Schwartz. And that's good. That's a good thing. I think that's one of the reasons I did want to do the calendar too, because it is about positivity and it shows positivity. I think it's one of the few calendars that does actually. And it says that this is, this is good. So I agree with you hundred percent, but I do feel the benefits of it. And people laugh, they crack up at it, they make the jokes and those don't even matter to me. Like I thought they would do. It doesn't matter. It's just, Right, right. Yeah, I, I do. I absolutely do. I feel like they, you know they'll make the jokes right. and everything like that. Well, do you but, think? Do you think people well, are making those jokes like, well, because it people, makes them friends, uncomfortable? Like, why won't he? Sh- well, you think he'll shoot me? I'm like, I'm not going to ask him. <laughs> 
are you Jewish? Or they're jealous. <laughs> I, mean, I never actually thought about maybe so much before. It has helped in a really good way that every path that's been in my life has been helpful in my journey towards wherever I'm going. And this was a very good journey about and about taking those stigmas out of myself and actually saying, I have this value as somebody else finds me attractive that I don't know. And maybe I will never know half these people out there find it. But the fact that they looked at it and was like, oh, hey, I mean, that actually is, it's not my friends. It's not people I know. It's not people I'm like, hey, can you go look at this? As random strangers who like, I, I never thought that would actually, someone would actually look at my body. And so Duncan was actually asking me, like, are you comfortable posting them? And I wasn't sure I was it's going to be. random strangers. And I'm yeah. like, go ahead, do what you want. Because honestly, let them watch, let them have that. And if that's what they want, right. That's right. And I, I, the weirdest thing in eight years that actually was shocking to me. There's I've never nothing, gotten there's a nothing negative wrong with comment. It. There's nothing found dirty about that was it. Negative. There's nothing that so you should be ashamed of. That's a really like a, a beautiful thing that I never thought. In the strangest, craziest way, it's a beautiful thing that has kind of replaced something that I've kind of maybe not missing, but has kind of hurt. That it, it, it really has. So, yeah, it's a crazy thing, Lenny. Like we grow up with all of this shame about our feelings and about the way we look and just these sort of outdated morality related right, right. And it's like the adult human body is beautiful to look at. Again, kind of going back to what we as people of the same age were taught in, right. in, in the eighties and nineties, like there's something wrong yeah. with being promiscuous. There's right. something wrong with anytime someone posed nude, it would be a scandal. That, I think it's the like it's turned on. Some people don't get turned on. Whatever it's, it is, like who cares? It, whether it's a woman who's, 300 pounds, somebody who's, who's trans, someone who's yeah. trans, gay, whatever you might be, and even somebody who's has who who might have an ailment or some of some kind. Every person has this idea of that themselves of their image, and there's things that these people I think need to realize that somebody will find them attractive, and some and, and people will. Yeah, maybe not for everybody. Maybe it doesn't. No one ever likes your thing, and you're not going to have. But I, I actually realized this. The only difference between yeah. me and well, well, the only difference between Ryan Reynolds is that so many people get to see Ryan Reynolds. That's the truth, and that's what people don't realize. So everyone's like, "Oh, Ryan Reynolds," but you don't know, man. Honestly, they come to you and say, "Hey, Mike, you know, Mike, look at Mike, right?" It's Ryan Reynolds and Mike. If you had the same PR right. that he did, you may you may get close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. I mean, I think it's just a matter of being comfortable in your own skin and being conscious of the fact that these people who we see every day or who are in our lives via you're, you're entertainment are just regular people. They they fart and they you know get dirt under their fingernails yeah. and they put Q-tips right. in their ears the just thing, like you know, the rest of us. People who can do touch-ups. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. One question I did want to ask is. Being in theater and being a playwright and working, whether it's in it has, film or on stage um, or whatever, definitely, definitely. How um, so? I mean, how has that you know, been? When you're, when you're doing like things, when you're, mind expanding I, I, I for you, or, or made you more open minded, or has it made you more uh, open minded? Someone, someone for everyone. So I'm getting to a very low budget indie film at one point. I, I actually think the film came out great. I, I always think about this. And it's the people that you meet, basically. I'll be honest, where I, where I grew up, I don't know if I've ever encountered somebody who was gay. I mean, I'm sure I have, but they didn't tell me. Yeah, it was really, I wish my father would have, I'm kidding. <laughs> While he was alive, no, he'd enjoy that joke. 
but, but, but you I, definitely I, but did. I didn't realize right. that what that actually entailed because it was a shelter that came from a very small town. You know, <laughs> I mean that's the thing. And then you start becoming open-minded to these things. And I never had anything against anyone who was homosexual or anything like that. I just never met. I don't think I met somebody who identified as that to me and said, hey, I'm this. So I didn't know I didn't know what somebody who was somebody who was homosexual or lesbian, I didn't know what that looked like. I never knew what that looked like as far as like having a conversation about it, if that makes sense. But being in theater and actually having different experiences and meeting different people really opens your eyes about sure. so many things. Yeah, so absolutely. Many, so many. And what's great about if you're having a good theater experience is that you can, you, you can actually learn something from the people. If you just talk to each other, it sounds like the craziest thing in the world, but you talk and you listen to what they have to say. I, I don't, I think everyone I've, I've met somebody I've, 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 I've met people that have been, life-changing just because of who they were and what their experiences were i've never encountered somebody who was transgender and really encountered somebody uh until i started doing film actually it sounds crazy i've actually never encountered somebody who was because what ends up what, what was what was somebody who was transgender someone who's transgender what was their role in life in the 80s and the 90s they were they were the clown. They were the people you made jokes of. They were the people that hey, he's got a penis or she's got a penis. He's not a man. He's got an Adam's apple. These were the jokes that we told and things like that. And I mean, but then you meet then you, I I think my first experience with somebody who was transgender was in New York City watching one of Duncan's plays, and that was amazing because it was so much fun. And they were and it was just so. They, I had a conversation. They were very open. And I'm like, I have questions. And they weren't afraid to answer those questions and be like, I'm like, look, I'm ignorant of this. Not that I don't. And and it was so nice to have that exchange and figure out where they, where, where they wanted, where they came from, what their life experience was. And you find that you have such commonalities. It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, that's the thing. And you start, you talk to somebody who's a, who's who's a lesbian or somebody who's gay or talk to somebody who's whatever walk of life they might be, and you might be talking about stranger things. You might be talking about we might be talking about your common interests. And I think that if people realize that, you would find that this 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 line that this door is closed becomes a line. And instead of it's it's a beautiful thing. And so I start learning these things, and, I, and it's still things I have questions about that I'm not I'm not perfect on. I, I and I sometimes I'm behind the curve in some regards, but not because of mm-hmm. not because of, of ignorance, not because of anything like that. It's just that things are rapidly changing, and I, I I just don't I have so many things going on. So people are like, okay, I think the biggest thing I'm still learning to be be honest with you, and I think I got it. Is pronouns. It sounds weird, but pronouns. When it came to the podcast, we're like, it sounds weird, but like I just feel like we're so ingrained in the way we talk that learning pronouns. And I'll say this. I'll even say this to people. I'm like, look, if I say the pronoun wrong, let me know and let me let me correct myself. And I think that's all you can do. And I think people are so accepting of that rather than. But yeah, it's, it's constantly changing. And if, I think if, if you actually say, hey, I don't know what the actual pronouns are, so if I get anything wrong, let me know. Yeah, but, it's, but I. But That's it's all so, you can do. It's actually a wonderful yeah. thing to learn new things, and I think when we, life is about learning new things all the time. Is when we're not learning things, that's when we die. Whether we're alive in our bodies or not, if we don't learn something, we die. And that's the truth. So this is an awesome time to, yeah, to learn about people's sexuality, to learn to learn about these conversations, and to learn to have these conversations. That's why there's so many people walking around who are that's right because you don't have these com- these don't have these these conversations. That's you don't, right. They're they're so closed off to what what is to what is actually happening around them. 
And instead of instead of actually joining in on this on this this war that's going around, they're like, oh, I'm gonna shelter. That's stupid. You know, <laughs> learn anyway. So that's I guess that's a good answer. I think. Appreciate Lenny taking the time to talk, and appreciate him being so open and honest. And uh, if you want to know more about Lenny, you can follow him on Twitter at uh, Lenny Schwartz, that's his full name. And uh, if you want to follow him on Instagram, you can follow him at, I'm not even going to attempt to butcher this, but it is Lenny Schwartz without the E. So L-N-N-Y Schwartz. (laughs) And if you want to, I guess, see some of Lenny's uh, modeling work, the Naughty Jewish Boys calendar has been around for seven years. And you can follow Naughty Jewish Boys on Instagram at Naughty Jewish Boys, or you can go to NaughtyJewishBoys.com and uh, order up a calendar. And they come in two versions. There is a regular version, and I guess there is an exi- extra spicy version, but uh, or the extra naughty edition, as they call it. So once again, that's NaughtyJewishBoys.com. Thank you for listening to Detoxicity. I hope you found this particular episode interesting. And if you are new, I hope you go back and listen to all of the older episodes. Uh, Once again, my name is Mike Joseph. I am the host and producer of this show. And uh, there are a lot of things that you can do to continue to support our mission, continue to support this podcast. Uh, Follow me on social media. I am on Instagram, Twitter, and I'm on TikTok as DetoxPodGuy. Uh, You can also send me an email if you'd like. I'm at detoxpod at gmail.com. I am always on the hunt for people with interesting, inspirational, and powerful stories. So if you know somebody who fits that bill or if you yourself fit that bill, please don't hesitate to drop me a line via email or via social media. Uh, Please make sure you subscribe on your podcast platform that you're listening to this on. Uh, Rate, comment, help a brother out, uh, help us move up in the rankings. Uh, Follow me on social media. Like I said, uh, follow our Patreon or subscribe to my Patreon, actually. Patreon.com slash detoxicity pod you get access to exclusive episodes you get episodes a little earlier than the general public you get a cool ass sticker lots of stuff once again patreon.com slash detoxicity pod quick shout out to calvin williams for providing the music and uh doing his magic on the logo which was originally designed by jacob block i thank you all for listening i wish you all the best please take care of each other till next time peace